Welcome back to Snares Book Prep Uncovered. This is the podcast where we talk to pupils, staff and other people in the school community to understand more about life at Snaresbrook. Each episode I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, he's the head teacher at the school, and today in this episode we're talking to the incoming teacher of year four, Miss Alice Ecton. This is a great chance to find out from her what she's like, what her teaching style is like, but also what she gets up to when she's not in school. But first of all, I've got Ralph here. Ralph, how are you doing today? I'm fabulous. Thank you very much, Simon. Glad to be doing another podcast. Well, it's good to talk to you and it's always good to do another podcast, of course. So Alice being a teacher of year four, why, apart from the fact that she's new, why, why did you want to get her onto the podcast here? I mean, essentially, I think the whole purpose of this podcast is to help um, parents see behind the curtain, I call it, because... Um, it's very hard to see what goes on and particularly to understand the thinking or the belief beliefs or the sort of pedagogy that's behind what we do here and so just by hopefully hearing from Alice and hearing you know what inspired her to to become a teacher what principles under teach uh, sort of underpin her practice uh, I'm hoping that parents will find that all very interesting um, and reassuring and and hopefully help them understand why we sort of uh, employed her and, you know, took her on. Okay. All right. Well, I suggest we bring her in. We can have a chat with her and then we can find out all of those things from her. So let's talk right now to Miss Alice Ecton. Alice, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm well, thank you. Yeah. Excited to be here. <laughs> Most people, when they come onto a podcast, have never been on a podcast before, or if they have only once or twice, they tend to feel a bit nervous as well. Are you feeling a bit nervous right now? I I am, yes. Um, I haven't <laughs> been on a podcast before. This is the first time for me. So. Okay. All right. Well, normally you're you're teaching year four. So actually, the the idea of me teaching year four would fill me with nerves. So if you're here on a podcast and feeling a little bit nervous, that's totally understandable. Now let's just clear something up super quickly. I'm calling you Alice, but the spelling of your name is L A A L Y S. Tell us a little bit about that. When my parents were deciding to name me. Um, they had a bit of disagreement over what to name me and then they decided they liked the name Alice but they didn't want the word lice. My dad didn't want lice in it. So he said he would agree to call me Alice as long as it, they spelt it differently. So they went with a Welsh spelling. I don't have any Welsh family but we just have a Welsh spelling for my name. So Well, why not? Let's have a bit of Welsh in there. Why not? Ralph, any Welsh in <laughs> you at all? Well, no, no Welsh. By marriage, maybe. Okay, all right. Well, we can take that. We can take that. Um, Alice, Ralph will know this part already, of course, but tell us a little bit about your background and where you've come from. I grew up in Cornwall um, and I moved to London when I was doing my teacher training to get an experience of what it was like to teach in a city. And I really enjoyed it. And I ended up getting a job at the school I trained at. And I've been living in London ever since and teaching in London schools ever since. I've taught mostly in East London and yeah, now I'm working here. So yeah. Now East London, very different to Cornwall, of course. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, when I when I initially came, as I said, I, I, I'd come up for a placement. I didn't know I was going to live here and um, my family were very worried about me, you know, worried about me going to London and I I never thought that I would move to London, but as I said, I, I came here and I and I really loved it. I love the sort of freedom that London brings. And if I wanted to go, you know, into the city, I'd go into the city, but also obviously living around here, there's lots of greenery. So it still feels very, not like Cornwall, but 
that you still have that kind of element of going into little wilderness areas like in Epping Forest. There are little spaces that feel kind of still a little bit wild, I guess. So, And tell me a bit about your approach to teaching. I was going to say your, your philosophy to teaching, but just generally what, what your approach is to teaching. I've always loved working with children. I've got three younger siblings um, and when I grew there's quite an age difference between us. So when I was growing up, I was often helping them. Um, and then I've, yeah, I've just loved working with children because they're so funny. They're so entertaining. They bring so much joy into the world. And I love the way that they think and the fact that I think children think more creatively. They haven't had that kind of, um, I, I don't know how to explain it really, but I think sometimes adult life limits our thinking and we don't think as creatively because we think, oh, well, that's not possible. So we don't we don't consider the options. We just consider what we view as possible, whereas children have this limitless imagination. And, you know, it means that the conversations you have with them are just so engaging and they all have very individual personalities and within the, you know, even within their thinking, the different ways that they see things you can present children with a problem and you can get such a range of different responses and I find that really really interesting um but that wasn't the question though the question was about my philosophy of teaching and so my philosophy of teaching is underpinned by Maslow really that children need to feel safe secure they need to feel known they need to feel relaxed. And until they feel that way, that's when they can really fully engage with something. Because otherwise, those things that we're preoccupied by will be the things that are predominantly on their minds. So when I go to a class, I like to get to know the children. I like to, um, you know, to be able to to know different things about their personality and, and to feel like, you know, you've got a connection with them so that then as that develops and grows and you get to know them, you get to know the way that they see things and that they learn. And, and obviously that helps you to sort of cater teaching to what that child needs. Some children, you know, might need something explained with lots of visuals or for some children, it might be learning an action helps them to remember something. You know, you, you get to know what each child needs. That's probably what I'd say my, my philosophy of teaching was to know the child, to help them to feel that sense of safety and security, and then also to engage them in a way that they find interesting and uh, helpful and useful for them. Alice, it's great to hear about that approach to teaching. That that really is great. But also, Ralph, uh, hearing Alice talking about that almost fearless approach that children have when they're inquiring and asking those questions without those constraints that sometimes adults feel like they do have, um, how do you see that changing in different year groups from the youngest children to the oldest children in school? I think what we try and do is we try and preserve that curiosity and we try and preserve that what if or um, how can we approach coming back to sort of what Alice was saying about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that sense of psychological safety. So allowing children to um, explore a problem or explore their solution in a way that doesn't limit it. So, for example, the way I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, we've often done the lessons lots of times, and you know that most, you know, the, the way the answer is usually mostly presented, but just allowing space for somebody's individual approach to something to breathe, 
just give it that space to breathe because sometimes you'll be you'll be listening to a child as they're working through a problem and you think where's this going you know this right i'm gonna have to explain and suddenly they say something you think oh hang on oh right and and they come to their own understanding but it's it's giving them that freedom having that confidence to 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 just yeah let them let them explore it before you sort of shut it down or say no that's not how we do it I mean, we do this, I think, one, you know, even in our maths, the way we're teaching maths is to encourage the children to start very much from a pictorial, well, they start from the, the concrete, but then when they're trying to solve problems, represent the problem pictorially so they can sort of explain the story to themselves to see the solution rather than, like my math education, which was this is a this type of problem. I apply this type of process and then I get this type of answer. And that very much sort of limits thinking and says, right, there's a right way to do this thinking and a wrong way to do the thinking. So that's how we try and preserve it and 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 even nurture it to sort of to, to develop further. Alice, you're smiling and nodding away when Ralph's talking there. It sounds like you're in full agreement with what he's saying. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, so I'm teaching maths. Um, to year three and four um, and so what are you saying about the concrete resources making sure children have that, that access to you know represent number using different things like deans and place value discs and then moving on to pictorial methods and then finally to more abstract methods is is I think is the best way and obviously for some learners you know, you'll you'll see that they're ready beforehand to go to those abstract methods and they completely understand that where there's some children that really will be wanting to use those manipulatives quite a lot longer. So Alice, I love the way that you referred to Maslow and I'm guessing the hierarchy of needs um, when you're referring to the children in your classroom. Tell me more then about that culture within your classroom and, and how practically you go about achieving that right sort of that right culture, that, that happy place where they are settled and all of their immediate needs are met? I think it's about um, making sure that you're getting that time to get to know them. Um, and so I think it's having those conversations with them that we would, you know, that you're asking them about how they are, how their day is, you're, you know, celebrating their successes with them. I mean, I think... I mean, this is a little bit different. I don't know if this is really linked, but in terms of when, it, like celebrating the learning journey with the children, acknowledging when they can't do it and when it's hard and talking to them about that and having those open conversations and going, yeah, you're, you know, it's okay to find it hard and just talking to them, watching them maybe make small steps of success and celebrating each of those small steps with them. And then when they finally get it, you know, showing them how much you believe in them equally as, as they you know they're proud of themselves when they do something well and showing that pride and encouragement to them but also just I think I think it's easier actually at Snaresbrook in many ways to kind of build those relationships because you quite quickly get to know oh this is this child and this is this child's brother and well oh, this is what the older sibling is this person and because it's small you've got that kind of sense of closeness that that comes quite quickly and so even though I'm working in different classes I'm getting to know oh this is this person's brother this is first person's sister oh this person's going to have another 
you know, baby brother or sister soon. And then you have the conversation of, oh, how are you feeling about it? And then you teach the brother and the brother goes, oh, I'm feeling this, you know, and, and it, it, it's things like that, basically, that you you get to know something and then you could kind of have a conversation with the children about it and, and, it, and, it, and it builds. Ralph, it's great hearing Alice talking about that. One of the things she mentioned was about asking the children how their day is going. And I think every parent listening to this has been in a situation where they've asked their child how school was that particular day. And the response is often just a single word coming back, which is usually just good. And then you move on to other conversations. What, what, what do you suggest parents could do or how could they ask that question in different ways in order to get their child to open up more about what what did actually happen that day as a parent who got good and now as a parent of a teenager i get i get it in german but it's still good i don't know if i'm qualified to answer that question what i would suggest is trying to be more specific in terms of you know what did you cover in maths today start with um, a basic recall question in terms of you know and again, maybe uh, the simpler, the better, you know. And then what did you learn about that or how was it taught? Or I don't know, you could you could try and be sort of, I think anything based in recall is possibly the right way to start opening up those conversations. At the end of the day in year four, we talk about what we've enjoyed. And normally when you ask them what they've enjoyed, they're kind of more ready to tell you about it. Um, so yeah, what you've enjoyed or what you're proud of, they tend to have a lot to <laughs> tend to have a lot to say. Then that's a lovely way of doing it. And I think um, thinking of is is it's okay if they don't really have much to tell you because I think the one thing we underestimate as adults is just how tiring um, it is being in a school. I don't know if anybody's how much sort of training people do, but when you go on all day training, you know, and you're being constantly and even on all day training we do as adults we're not constantly tested the way and challenged the way we challenge our our children they quite possibly just had enough and they don't want to answer another question and want a nap (laughs) yeah they want a nap and it's also you know i think when you phrase it like you know what have you enjoyed it's low stakes they're not they're not worried if they're going to be judged on can they remember what the lesson was about or are they going to be able to get the answer right I think um, Alice's advice is um, probably a lot more valuable than mine. I love that being a low stakes question, though. I, I, th- I think you're right. If, if, if the stakes are lower, then children are more likely to open up a little bit more. Alice, tell me a little bit about what you get up to when you're not at school. You know, when the weekend comes or when you go home in the evening, what do you get up to? As I said, I, I love living here because I can go out. Um, you know, we're very close to Epping Forest, so I like going for walks and kind of exploring new places. Um, occasionally I'll go out on my bike, but that is rare. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like going for walks. Um, I like visiting and like things in the city. So, um, going to museums, going to exhibitions and things like that. I also really like reading. So I do a lot of reading. And what was the last good book that you read then? This is where it's like, whoa, <laughs> cause I was trying to remember the last thing I read. Weirdly though, it would be... <laughs> one did I last read the voyage of the dawn treader so I was working at school and we were reading the line the witch in the wardrobe which I'd read before but one of the children said oh you know that it says book two why does it say book two and I didn't realize that there was a, a prequel to the line the witch in the wardrobe I knew it was a series but not there was a book before um, and the children said oh miss you should read it it's really good so I said that I would and then 
felt held to it, so I did. And then since then, I've been I've been uh, going through uh, not solidly through, um, but I've got up to the voyage of the Dawn Treader. No, I love that. I, I love that. Do you, do, you, do you think that more adults should be reading children's books? I mean, because sometimes as adults, we often don't have time to read. Or then when we do read, we tend to read quite adulty fiction books. Do you think that adults should read children's books as well? I think that there are a lot of children's books that have a lot to offer that are really amazing stories and plots and imaginative. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think that definitely reading, obviously, with your child's really valuable that you can kind of share that experience of kind of going into an imaginary world with them, whether it's like a um, fantasy story or... I mean, I was wondering whether I should be controversial and and challenge the assertion that um, there's no point in reading children's books as an adult. I was trying to, but then my words all got scrambled and I... I mean, obviously everything depends on the book, doesn't it? But what I do think is probably key is um, enjoying reading and modeling enjoying reading or stories although i would always also promote it can be you know an audiobook i don't think it necessarily has to be you reading it i think the value in reading other than the enjoyment and the escapism i think it's one of the ways that we can consume empathy because we can actually it's it's one of the only mediums where often the characters talk you through what they are thinking um, and talk you through their perspective. You know, it, it can't happen in a visual medium um, or not easily. It, it becomes very clunky. And actually that's that's very useful, you know, to, to, to see different points of view and to see different times. And it can explain, books also explain things um, which you don't get in a visual medium. But I think it can be done you know, like I say, in an audio book, or you can read it. But I think ultimately, if you as an adult are showing the value and the fun and the enjoyment that can be had from these sources of information, these texts, however you consume them, that would probably be the most important thing. I was just going to say, I'm just going to kind of echo what Ralph was saying and that like when you step into a character's shoes and you see what they're feeling, I think it can sometimes help children to discuss what different things they're feeling as well, different feelings they're struggling with. You know, seeing it through a character's perspective can help them to solve problems that maybe they're having. That's a good point, Alice. Great way of putting it. Great way of putting it. Um, Alice, keeping an eye on time and Ralph keeping an eye on time here as well. But before we let Alice go, I'm dying to know if you could go anywhere on a summer holiday. I mean, you know, we're recording this in September, so it feels a bit unfair to even ask you this. But if you could go anywhere on a summer holiday or for that matter, a winter holiday, where would you choose? OK, that's a that's a very big question. Um, I think I would say Brazil because I have been I went to Costa Rica actually from my primary school learning I had this sort of um this hope to go and visit a rainforest after learning about the rainforests when I was very young um and I went to Costa Rica and I and I loved it I loved seeing all the different animals and you know the biodiversity and the plants it was just it was just wonderful so I would really like to go to Brazil and just and see more see more I love that answer because you're not saying I'd like I'd like to go to the Maldives and just read a book and put my feet up for I mean, two weeks. That would weeks. be great too. That would be what? good. Yeah, of course. But actually what you're talking about there is is based off your own education, really, from when you were young, which 
you know, it, it brings us full circle, really, given the fact that you're now in a position where you're that source of inspiration for other children who are much younger than you now. Alice, it's been great having you here on the podcast today. Uh, you did great, by the way. It's always slightly nervous. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us today. Thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> So, Ralph, that was Alice. Um, poor girl, of course, there she is, having just joined the school and now she's on a podcast with the head teacher in the school as well. Uh, but honestly, I thought, she, I thought she did great there. I really do. I know. It's one of those things that people are always really worried about coming on the podcast. And I try and reassure them, you know, and say, just, you just got to listen to what I talk about. I mean, there's no, uh, it's all very genuine and, you know, we just shoot from the hip. So there's nothing to be worried about. She did brilliantly. She, she really did. She really did. Um, give me your thoughts on a couple of the things she was talking about there. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope what comes across um, and I think what we saw during the interview process, which as a slight aside, I think it's I think parents would be interested to know sort of the, the process we go through. So not only do we interview them, but, the, you know, teachers, they'll teach a lesson. We get the pupil feedback on that lesson, how they felt in the lesson whether they felt, um, you know, this was somebody who could help them, who they could speak to if they had a problem, did they sort of trust them? So I think what, you know, throughout that whole process, what came across was somebody who had a love of learning themselves and somebody who wanted to give that love of learning, you know, to, to those um, that they taught. Um, somebody who shared that same ethos that we have here, that everything starts from a, a safe space, a space that you're known, seen and heard, a safe that is challenging you appropriately, you know, and helps develop that sense of self-esteem. Um, and somebody who sees the pupils as individuals and is looking to um, help that flourish and to grow which is, again, you know, what this school is all about. OK, all right. Well, let's bring this this episode to a close. Uh, but like we've always said, if anybody ever wants to get in touch, then do get in touch with the school through the website or by email or by calling or smoke signal or whatever feels right for you. Just just do get in touch. But in the meantime, our next episode is coming out soon. So for now, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. But it's goodbye from me and Ralph. It's goodbye from me. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye-bye.